Welcome to the Corona of Thorns podcast. I'm Father Peter Swans, and today is the Feast of Corpus Christi. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. O God, who in this wonderful sacrament have left us a memorial of your passion, grant us, we pray, so to revere the sacred mysteries of your body and blood, that we may always experience in ourselves the fruits of your redemption, who live and reign with God the Father in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Genesis. Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought bread and wine. He was a priest of God Most High. He pronounced this blessing. Blessed be Abram, by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High for handing over your enemies to you. And Abram gave him a tithe of everything. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. The Lord's revelation to my master, sit on my right. Your foes I will put beneath your feet. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. The Lord will wield from Zion your scepter of power. Rule in the midst of all your foes. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. A prince for the day of your birth on the holy mountains. From the womb before the dawn I begot you. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. The Lord has sworn an oath he will not change. You are a priest forever, a priest like Melchizedek of old. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. A reading from the first letter of St. Paul to the Corinthians. This is what I received from the Lord, and in turn passed on to you, that on the same night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and thanked God for it, and broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this as a memorial of me. In the same way he took the cup after supper, and said, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it, do this as a memorial of me. Until the Lord comes, therefore, every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are proclaiming his death. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Behold, the bread of angels, sent for pilgrims in their banishment, the bread for God's true children meant, that may not until dogs be given. Often the olden types foreshowed, in Isaac on the altar bowed, and in the ancient paschal food, and in the manna sent from heaven. Come then, good shepherd, bread divine, still show to us thy mercy sign, O feed us still, still keep us thine, so may we see thy glory shine in fields of immortality, 
O thou, the wisest, mightiest, best, our present food, our future rest. Come, make us each thy chosen guest, co-heirs of thine and comrades blessed, with saints whose dwelling is with thee. Amen. Alleluia. Alleluia, alleluia. I am the living bread from heaven, says the Lord. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus made the crowds welcome and talked to them about the kingdom of God, and he cured those who were in need of healing. It was late afternoon when the twelve came to him and said, Send the people away, and they can go to the villages and farms round about to find lodging and food, for we are in a lonely place here. He replied, Give them something to eat yourselves. But they said, We have no more than five loaves and two fish, unless we are to go ourselves and buy food for all these people. For there were about... Five thousand men. But he said to his disciples, Get them to sit down in parties of about fifty. They did so, and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, raised his eyes to heaven, and said the blessing over them. Then he broke them, and handed them to his disciples to distribute among the crowd. They all ate as much as they wanted, And when the scraps remaining were collected, they filled twelve baskets. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So just before we kick off properly, um, a quick note. Uh, There wasn't a podcast last week for the Feast of the Holy Trinity. Uh, As it turned out, COVID hit the corona of thorns. Um, Yes, I got a positive diagnosis. And as a consequence, I had to go into isolation for a week, which meant I wasn't able to get into the office to record a podcast. Um, Gratefully, uh, I didn't have terribly many symptoms at all. It was a bit more like a mild cold than anything. So I'm very grateful for that. A big thank you to those who reached out and asked how I was doing. But that does give a nice little segue into the gospel today, right? (laughs) Jesus made the crowds welcome and talked to them about the kingdom of God, and he cured those who were in need of healing. I'll be honest with you, I like that phrase, he cured those who were in need of healing. It's so wonderfully vague. When we look to ourselves, we can see that there are so many areas that that really do need healing. Um, I suppose automatically we would imagine, right, Illnesses, right? Well, you know, here's the way that I'm sick, right? I've caught myself a touch of the COVID. Um, but we also know that there are so many different aspects of our lives that stand in need of healing, and not just our health. Sometimes it's our heart, our history. Sometimes what stands in need of healing is our moral life held captive by some addiction. Maybe what needs healing is our attitude, the way that we look at life. Or maybe what stands in need of healing is our inability to let something go. 
Well, in the face of all that, we have that wonderful little phrase in today's gospel. He cured those who were in need of healing. Well, the shadows grow long. And the disciples decide that it's time to pull up stumps and send everyone home. And everyone's hungry by now. And the response of the disciples makes good sense, right? Everyone needs to fend for themselves. We all need to find our own way of satisfying the hunger that we have. So, they look to disperse the crowd that Jesus had gathered round himself. Now, this doesn't sit well with Jesus. Rather than scatter the crowd that he'd gathered, Jesus is determined to provide enough food for everyone. So he turns to his disciples and says, Give them something to eat yourselves. Now, I think it's fair to assume that Jesus knew full well that the disciples didn't have the resources to feed the entire crowd. So why does he tell them to feed the people themselves? It's almost as if our Lord is highlighting the helplessness of the disciples. You know, make them pat their pockets just to see how empty they really are. And they bring what they have to the Lord. Five loaves, two fish. And the rest is well known, right? They have their fill, 12 baskets left over. Jesus stands before a hungry humanity. And let's face it, we're no less hungry now. This hunger that's described in the gospel stands for something fundamental that drives each and every human life. It's the desire for happiness. We all desire a life that turns out well. A life that flourishes. We all desire the fullness of life. At the heart of human experience is this constant passion for happiness. And it stands behind all our actions. Why do we do anything at all? Ultimately, because we perceive, either rightly or wrongly, that such an action will lead towards happiness. But at the heart of this yearning is the reality that we haven't got it yet. We're not yet perfectly happy. Our lives have not yet turned out well. We haven't yet arrived at the full flourishing of our human existence. And this desire we experience as a hunger. In the gospel today, Jesus has gathered before him a hungry humanity. We all desire, we all hunger and thirst for this fullness of life. And we can all read our own personal experience that man doesn't live on bread alone. Our desires reach far wider and far deeper than the mere necessities of life. Existence isn't enough. We have a yearning for the fullness of life. The hunger that's expressed in the gospel stands for the deeper, more universal desire that touches each of us. And there's something pretty telling in the fact that it's late in the day and this crowd clearly don't have the resources to fill themselves up. 
So what the Lord does next is very interesting. With humanity gathered before him, craving the satisfaction of a hunger for happiness, Jesus turns to the disciples and says, you feed them. Now, the disciples shrug their shoulders because they recognize the impossibility of the task. And I think the Lord is making that point abundantly clear. We can't satisfy our own hunger. We can't make our own lives flourish. We're incapable of making ourselves completely happy. We have five loaves and two fish in our possession, but what is that before a humanity that yearns for the fullness of life? The frustration of our lives is that while we're limited, our desire is not. We're confronted by our own incapacity to make our own lives turn out well. And it would be a big mistake for us to think that these five loaves and two fish are enough. They're not. Satisfy the world's hunger, says Jesus. Let's try. This highlights our human condition. What we desire is beyond our grasp. It's a serious reality check for the disciples. But perhaps it's an even bigger reality check for us in the 21st century. The understanding of the good life that we've inherited from our culture is one that prides itself on self-sufficiency, on independence, on autonomy, our ability to consume sufficient so that we will finally be happy. We believe the marketing lie that just a little bit more, and then finally we'll have it. I can satisfy my own hunger. And I don't need you, or God, or anyone else. And so I can live as if the five loaves and two fish I can acquire will feed me finally. I can live as if that's enough. I can live as if God did not exist. And Jesus, I think, extends that invitation then to us. Go ahead. Feed your own humanity and see how far you get. Now, of course, the Lord here isn't trying to drive us towards frustration. He's helping us to discover who we truly are. We have an infinite desire, a limitless hunger. But we only have a finite capacity, a limited ability to nourish ourselves. So... We must turn toward the one who can nourish us. So what does he do? Well, he took the five loaves and the two fish, raised his eyes to heaven and said the blessing over them. And then he broke them and handed them to his disciples. We see here that Jesus responds to the great hunger of humanity. And it's Christ who satisfies the deep longing of the human heart. He takes the limited goods that we have, he blesses them. And when he gives them back, the loaves and the fish are now adequate to satisfying the hunger. Jesus takes the little we bring and he blesses it and makes it correspond to our hunger. And we can now see the logic of Christ operating. He takes the little we have And he multiplies it. 
But notice what's happened. The Lord Jesus has actually inverted the pattern of hunger. You see, hunger makes us grasp. Hunger makes us pursue and grab and consume. Instead, the Lord says, what you have, give it to me. Think about that for a second. The Lord Jesus first requires the hungry to give their food before the satisfaction of their deepest hunger. What a profound mystery. The Lord Jesus asks us to give the little that we have. And that's how he multiplies it. That's how he responds to our human frustration. Our limited capacity is supplemented by the infinite power of Christ. And so we, now we have someone to help us. The uh, former Archbishop of Bologna was uh, a man by the name of Cardinal Kafara. And he made a beautiful comment about the way in which Christ operates. He said this, Christ takes the five loaves and two fish of love between a man and a woman, and he transforms it into the sacrament of marriage. He takes the five loaves and the two fish of the poor person of the priest, and he transforms it into the ministry of salvation. He takes the five loaves and two fish of human suffering, and he transforms it completely into that which is lacking in his suffering for his body, the church. He takes my death and he transforms it into the entrance into eternal life. The gospel today teaches us something very profound, that in the face of the human hunger for happiness, the hunger that we cannot satisfy ourselves, we discover the great secret. It's Christ who can satisfy our desire, but it's done only through his blessing. It's only when he raises his eyes to heaven, to the only place where our satisfaction will come from. In the Eucharist, then, because today's Corpus Christi, right? In the Eucharist, we can see Christ's logic at play in its highest form. Notice that in feeding the 5,000, Jesus takes, blesses, breaks, and gives to his disciples. This is the exact action of the Mass. He takes bread. At the offertory, we place into Christ's hands the poor gift of our bread and wine. We place into his hands the poverty of our own lives. And then the Lord blesses it. These are the great words of the consecration. Then at the Lamb of God, he breaks it. And at communion, gives it to his disciples. In the Eucharist, we discover the logic of Christ as he takes what we give him, transforms it into something that is sufficient to our desire. He takes what is limited and uses it to satisfy what in us is unlimited, our infinite desire, our deepest hope, our greatest hunger, 
for love, for life, for happiness. Where in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus fed the people with loaves and fish, with something external to himself. Now in the Eucharist, he feeds his people with his very self, the bread come down from heaven. Christ feeds our deep hunger for happiness with his own self, which is the fullness of life. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never hunger. He who believes in me will never thirst. Thanks for praying with us, and may God bless you abundantly, so that this day may give glory to God the Father.